Hey, pull up a chair. It's Hacks on Tap with David Axelrod, Robert Gibbs, and Mike Murphy. They want crime because they want to take over what you got. They want to control what you have. They want reparation because they think the people that do the crime are owed that. Bullshit! They are not owed that. Robert Gibbs, welcome to the great pageant of democracy. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it getting uglier by the moment, it sounds. Well, that was your old coach, Tommy Tuberville from the Auburn Tigers, who somehow found his way into the United States Senate, speaking at what was either an inspiring Trump rally or the bar scene from Star Wars, depending on your point of view. But here to help us sort the whole thing out is our old buddy, Jay Mart. Jonathan Martin, soon not to be of the New York Times, finishing up his great 10-year run at the Times and soon to announce his future plans, but for sure one of the smartest guys on the planet about American politics. Jay Mark, good to see you. Thanks, Axe. Thanks, Robert. Thrilled to be here. And uh, what better way to open things up than by taunting longtime Auburn fan Robert Gibbs about uh, exactly. That's what I thought. The disgrace of his uh, his former coach. I would like listeners to give me a little credit for uh, not taking the bait thus far. <laughs> Doug Jones, who uh, is a fellow at my Institute of Politics this uh, this uh, fall and is an, a huge uh, Alabama fan, still has his season's tickets, urged me to use that just to get under Gibbs's <laughs> skin. So... Uh, so here we go. Let me tell you, Tommy Tuberville gets under a lot of Alabama fan skin too. You can ask Doug about that. There's a there's a, a few victories on the other side of the. <laughs> All ledger. right, okay. All right, but here's the thing: he was just part of quite a rally down there in uh, Arizona. Marjorie Taylor Greene had some incredible things to say. We might play that uh, a bit later. Uh, Carrie Lake, the candidate for governor, uh, quite a few. Uh, and Trump himself, and you know the crowd was into it. What is what is the downside, uh, J Mart in Arizona, to any of that? Is there, or is it just a mobilization game down there? And it doesn't matter that you've got a guy coming in from Alabama to spew racist crap. It's a question that we could spend an hour talking about today. Well, that's great, we've got an hour, so it's perfect. Uh, <laughs> or actually three. Look, it gets to the heart of so much in American politics today, right? Here you have a twice impeached uh, former president who is under multiple investigations, including by the Department of Justice, somebody who is, you know, very unpopular among the general electorate. Uh, And here you've got battleground candidates. These are not red states, right? Trump was in Nevada and Arizona these are states that, that Joe Biden carried in 2020. These are not red states. And yet you've got the statewide nominees for the Republican Party standing with the former president at these events in both states, Senate and Gov. And why are they doing that? Because in their minds, there's more to be lost by not showing up. Because what they fear acts is they fear if they blow off Trump, He'll use the events to heckle them and say, where is Carrie Lake? Where is Joe Lombardo? Where is Adam Laxall? Uh, these are the, the Senate and Gov candidates in these states. Right. Why aren't they here? 
And if Trump does that, then they risk losing, you know, a few thousand hardcore MAGA. Uh, well, in fact, Carrie Lake made a point of this and said, you know, the consultants and all the strategists, they say, walk away from Donald Trump. Well, here's how I walk away from Donald Trump. And she turns and gives him a hug. So, and she basically said, and I want to talk about her in a, in a minute because uh, I think she's a pretty intriguing character in this whole uh, drama of 2022. Uh, but she said, look, if I, if I were to walk away from him, uh, then why would you trust me not to walk away from you? Yeah, and she turned it into a virtue that she wouldn't that she wouldn't walk away from Trump. And the flip side acts. The flip side is that the bet among the Republicans is that the Democrats are not going to use their going to the Trump events uh, against them because there's more salient issues that voters are thinking about, like abortion rights, than standing or not standing. With Donald Trump. And so in the minds of these candidates, if the Dems aren't going to weaponize against me on TV, there's only something to be be lost uh, here by by not going to the event. And that's my own base. But this is but that, that no, I get that. I totally get that. But Gibbs, what about when a guy stands up and makes an overtly racist play at the rally that the gov- gubernatorial candidate is attending? Does that have, because there are swing voters in Arizona. Yeah. Well, that's what I think we forget sometimes in this conversation. And even in midterm elections where base mobilization is going to be the name of the game for the next four weeks. And here's what's scary is this is the rhetoric's only going to get crazier as we get closer to election day. Um, I, I think there's a huge downside in this. And I think quite frankly, Mitch McConnell and others are preparing a, a giant blame game if they under if Republicans underperform in any way uh, for exactly this purpose. That they're unwilling to stand up. Nobody's ever going to catch Mitch McConnell in the halls of the of the Congress telling Jay Mart that Donald Trump never should have said this, but they are very focused on whether or not they win. I think or actually lose. he caught, he did catch uh, well, he's, McConnell he in has. the Capitol saying, yes, he, he, yeah. he certainly has, but it's, it's, it's the number of times J Martin and others have asked versus how many times they've gotten that response. Uh, look, I think there's a huge downside to this. I think that's why there are issues like democracy and voting rights that were very exclusively democratic issues and not nearly as high up on, the the pen the, the the totem pole if you will of of what was most important um and and they've ascended because they've watched rallies like this because Donald Trump has demanded fealty these people come they tell everybody in the crowd and it's broadcast to larger numbers that the election was stolen i know we've had an audit in arizona but trust me it was stolen i know we've looked at this in nevada but trust me this was stolen i i, I don't i think the challenge that Donald Trump has always had is He's never added to his numbers. He's never added to the people that he started with. It's been a slow descent. His favorable is now in the mid-30s. And, and I think there's a huge downside and risk to this. Now, if you're if you're Carrie Lake or Adam Laxalt, you're at the you you there's not many more cards left to play. You can't be different now. I get what she's saying. She can't, the truth is she's cast her lot. She can't change now. But I do think there's a huge downside, particularly in these states that aren't deep red. This is a purple state. But for there to be a penalty for it, the voters, Robert, have to know about it. And is this going to get into the bloodstream 
of the kind of, you know, low to medium information swing voter? Uh, are they even going to know that these Republicans are standing with Donald Trump? And I guess that's the question here is the assumption, you know, among the Republicans is they're probably not going to know. And if they do know, they're not going to care as much about that as they are three or four. Is the independent voter who is going to sway these elections in Arizona, is that a low information voter? Is that like a Maricopa County professional who probably watches or hears news or... Right. Well, that's the question. Yeah, that is. The challenge, too, is it's not as if Carrie Lake isn't the nominee if it isn't for Donald Trump. It's not just, you know, what right. what he says on the stage four weeks out or four and a half weeks out. I, I just don't think you... I, I don't think you can be... And, and I know, we, you know, we've, we've certainly... You know, we watch focus groups, low information voters, people that turn in the la- tune in the last two weeks. I just think it is hard to walk Donald Trump away from these people. I think that it's it's just kind of baked into the cake. And I think that's the real challenge here. If I told you guys on January 7th, 2021, that in the fall of 2022, Donald Trump would be barnstorming all these purple states and would be, you know, Standing with the statewide nominees in all of these states, um, you know, it's kind of like, you know, Nixon's going to be hitting the campaign trail in 1976 and standing with all these Senate and Gov candidates yeah, right, right after he resigned. Disgrace. You would have said, well, that's preposterous. Of course, that's not going to happen. But yet here we are and it is happening, uh, which I think tells you a lot about the power of his hold. Uh, on the base of the party, but also I think there's this fear among the candidates that uh, they're better off not not poking the bear than they are just simply acquiescing and just you know doing what they have. But but just and I'm not going to take your bait in comparing too deeply Nixon and Trump. But um, please do. I don't think Donald Trump left in 2021 at the level Nixon did in 1974. I think, you know, well, it, it we've is, had this is, discussion before. If he had Fox News and all right. the other tools that Trump had, uh, who knows what what it would have happened back in 1974. Right. And, and, and you know, Trump lost Arizona by a little more than 10,000. I think what it also underscores, Jonathan and, and yep. David, is, is, you know, this is not just about Donald Trump. This is about Trumpism. Totally. Right? Carrie Ke- Lake is Trumpism. Yeah. And quite frankly, yeah. Maybe much point. more appealing in. Yeah, in well, the I want to talk about that in a second. Yeah. Listen to your point. Listen to this clip from the aforementioned Marjorie Taylor Greene, who travels around to these Trump rallies. It's like some sort of perverse version, bizarro world version of the USO tour, where you know he brings he brings this the cast carnival. of characters uh, with him. But listen to uh, what she had to say uh, at that rally. Joe Biden's five million illegal aliens are on the verge of replacing you, replacing your jobs and replacing your kids in school and coming from all over the world. They're also replacing your culture. And that's not great for America. You when you talk about Trumpism, that's sort of the raw nerve right there. Undoubtedly. Un- and undoubtedly. And I, I kind of feel like she was hedging on that. That's not great for America. Yeah. Well, she also, I think it was at this rally where she also said that Democrats want to kill, uh, that Democrats want to kill you. 
I, it may have been that rally. So she did. That was a milder uh, rally. Well, we used to call these dog whistles. You know, only certain people could hear these. And the dog whistle has been replaced by a giant billboard and seven bullhorns. So, you know, you, you can dismiss her as a kind of uh, cartoon character. But the fact of the matter is she's one of the leading Republican fundraisers. She is a fixture at these Trump rallies. And when Kevin McCarthy unveiled his, his palm card, she was front and center. There he they they positioned her in the picture so people could see her prominently displayed. Jmart, what what does that say? Well, it tells you that people like Kevin McCarthy are are consumed with trying to placate the extremist in their own party because if they don't keep those folks pacified, it, it, uh, they're going to face threats to their own leadership, and uh, that's the the sort of cost of doing business today if you want to be a Republican leader. But it's also that, that he's also facing the, the, the thing that you sort of mentioned before, which is they want to maximize the turnout among their base. Yes. But they're trying to do it. His hope is to maximize the turnout among his base without turning off these swing independent voters, particularly in suburban areas. It's a really hard thing to do when, you know, they're when they're out there doing the full Monty, you know? Yeah. And no, that's the thing. And it sort of gets to the heart of of why 2021 was so exceptional. Look, Glenn Youngkin ran a strong campaign and, and, and deserves the praise that, that he gets. But here's what people forget about the Glenn Youngkin campaign. Unlike all these other campaigns this cycle, Trump never showed up in Virginia. It was a miracle that he stayed out of the state. All right. And Youngkin did not have a traditional primary. It's what right. So he never say, had to kiss the ring. Yeah. Look, there was no chance that Trump was going to stay out of Arizona and Nevada and all these other purple states this time around. So you do force these candidates to grapple with. Is there more downside in avoiding him or embracing him? And this is their larger problem seven years on with Trump is that he constantly demands that you make this choice of do I, do I risk alienating uh, core voters in my state uh, that I need for the coalition or do I risk alienating the swing voters that I also need? And acts, I think a lot about the, the candidate in Colorado, a state you're very familiar with, uh, running against Michael Bennett, Joe O'Dead, who's been very outspoken that he, he's no Trump fan. You and I know that if that race gets close in the final two weeks and Democrats realize they, they have a problem there, Democrats have a Trump card, no pun intended. They can, <laughs> uh, they can do spending that gets to the heart of uh, O'Day's critique of Trump and try to ensure that O'Day does not have the full conservative coalition on his side. Because if, if 10,000 MAGA folks in Colorado take a walk on Joe O'Day, he has no chance to win. Yeah. And that gets to the heart it's, of it's, the problem. That, that would be good, good night for O'Day. Anyway, go ahead. We should, he just, I knew, I knew something was coming. But we should acknowledge, because the, the examples that you just used, J. Mark, yeah. are why this is far easier for Kevin McCarthy. These are much more monolithic house seats yes. than they are statewide races that include the suburbs in Denver or the suburbs in Washington or the suburbs in Atlanta. Yeah. And so th there's, there's a trickiness here for a statewide candidate. It's why um, a Blake Masters in Arizona 
quite frankly, isn't who we've spent the last uh, 10 or so minutes talking about because he hasn't gained the type of traction um, because there's a, a difference in Maricopa County uh, in some of that. We, we certainly, Carrie Lake is a statewide candidate. I think she's made a, a unique deal here. Uh, and But I, I think that the challenge that McCarthy has is different than than the challenge for statewide candidates and, and the downside for embracing either Trump or deeply into Trumpism. Yeah. Now, this is easier for Kevin McCarthy because Kevin McCarthy is dealing with a, a, a caucus that's overwhelmingly dominated by Republicans from heavily red districts in which all that matters is the primary. So, like, of course, they have to salute Trump, or at least that's the perception. No. The only thing worse for Kevin McCarthy than losing the House majority might be winning the <laughs> House majority. I know that's, uh, we'll leave that topic for uh, another day. Okay, let's take a break right here for a word from our sponsor, and we'll be right back. I don't know if you remember the old commercials, the Samsonite gorilla, the gorillas who would toss around the bags to prove that they could stand any kind of pressure. Well, I am the Samsonite gorilla of shirts. I tend to be wrinkled and rumpled. Those are the words that people use about me. And now, I've found the answer. The dress shirt was due for a radical reinvention, and Roan has stepped up to the challenge. Roan's commuter shirt is the most, and I'm a commuter, I go a lot of places, is the most comfortable, breathable, and flexible shirt known to man. And here's why. Roan's comfortable four-way stretch fabric provides breathability and flexibility that leaves you free to enjoy what life throws your way and your commute to work to your 18 holes of golf. It's time to feel confident with a wrinkle-free shirt without the hassle. With Roan's wrinkle release technology, wrinkles disappear as you stretch and wear the shirt. It's just that easy. With gold fusion and anti-odor technology, you'll be smelling fresh and clean all day long. That's also important. On top of that, Roan is 100% machine washable, so you can ditch the dry cleaner altogether. Sorry, my friends down the street, this is bad news for you. I did uh, get a chance to check it out, and it is as advertised. It's incredibly comfortable, and the wrinkles do come out. So this is a whole new me. You're going to hear a new description of David Axelrod, stylish, unwrinkled, and fragrant. The commuter shirt can get you through any workday and straight into whatever comes next. So head to roan.com slash hacks and use promo code hacks to save 20% off your entire order. That's 20% off your entire order when you head to roan.com slash hacks and use code hacks. It's time to find your corner office comfort. So let me talk about Carrie Lake, okay? Uh, yeah. Carrie Lake was for 27 years an anch- a, a newscaster, an yeah. anchor person in uh, the Phoenix area. And she is very, very media savvy. She is very, yeah. very fluent. Uh, you know, she's a performer. She's a, a, in some ways a more polished version of Trump. Uh, and she, her opponent, Katie Hobbs, the Secretary of State, uh, is uh, is a much more passive personality. Uh, she won't debate. We've talked about this. We think, you know, I think we all agreed that was sort of a mistake on her part, but I think it's a recognition 
that Carrie Lake is a a a formidable uh, media uh, personality. But they appeared back to back. I don't know if you guys saw this. They appeared back to back on uh, Face the Nation uh, on Sunday. And it was really, really striking. I mean, Major Garrett did the interview. He only had eight minutes with each. He couldn't really follow yeah. up. But Carrie Lake just ran wild. And uh, and Katie Hobbs, rather than, who went second, rather than turning on, uh, you know, uh, turning the questions back on uh, Carrie Lake, w- was very d- defensive. And it gives you a sense why people think that despite the fact that she's a stone cold election denier, despite the fact that she uh, has uh, really associated herself with the most right wing elements in the state, Carrie Lake could win that race. Yeah. And I think Ron DeSantis gets a lot of the sort of who's going to inherit Trumpism uh, if Trump doesn't run or even if Trump may run in 2024. When I think you look at the presentation and the skill set of somebody like a Carrie Lake and you realize I don't know if she'd run in 2024, um, but her ability in um, in being, David, as you said, so media savvy, so well-suited in front of the camera, so at ease and smooth and, you know, able to kind of baffle you with bullshit, even though you don't really feel like you do. Major Garrett's a good interviewer, and we should acknowledge that. I mean, I, I sat in the briefing room. Uh, for a couple of years, and he asks really good questions, but she's just really, really a formidable candidate. He he tried to uh, press her on a few things. Let's listen to that. I think we have major problems in our election system, and we and it goes back to 2000. We had Democrats saying the 2000 election wasn't fair. They were complaining the 2004 election wasn't fair. 2016, Kamala Harris spoke out and said that the electronic voting machines were hacked in front of her eyes, and nobody called them election deniers. And now all of a sudden in 2020, Garrett, we don't have free speech anymore. We can't speak out against our own elections. All I'm asking for is the ability to speak out. When our government does something wrong, we should be able to speak out against it. Do you it. agree, Garrett? Now, <laughs> yeah, yeah. She, that was the only mistake that she. That was the only mistake right. that she. She made. For, I mean, for I mean, but the fact is, no Democrats uh, uh, tried to overturn the election. There wasn't an insurrection. There wasn't. And you know, by the way, I'm sorry, but like. That's the point here is that that's the fog machine. It's okay. Right. Totally. Exactly. No, that's the point. It's not remotely the same. Okay. It's not remotely the same. Yes. Democrats did that. They grumbled about the results. There was some tinfoil hat stuff in Ohio in 2004, but no, the incumbent president did not refuse to concede and then try you know, to foment an insurrection against the, the sitting U.S. Congress. It's not the same thing. Next question. You know, you just can't take that bullshit, you know? But, you know, this is why I think, you know, and it's been discussed, the structural inability for Hobbes to get on the offensive. And and I think that probably would have started with a debate. You've got to call some of this stuff out. Because if not, if you're, to to, to your point, J-Mart, earlier, of somebody who's a low-information voter or tunes in late, like, all of a sudden, the smooth presentation of a Carrie Lake doesn't sound so nutty unless somebody is interrupting and saying, Hey, but hold on a second. There's a structural difference between any of the examples you just mentioned and either what happened nationally with Donald Trump or the fact that we've done audits here in Arizona. And if nobody presses her 
Again, the packaging all sounds Well, no, no, good. but here's the thing. Katie Hobbs came on next, okay? Right. And whatever question she got, she should have run yeah. hard, yeah. hard, hard. She's the person who administered the elections. She right. should have run back right. hard at, uh, at, at Carrie Lake. And, and, you know, Carrie Lake just this week told someone in a rope line, the only way we lose this election is if it's if they cheat, if it's stolen. That's the only way we lose this election. She's been setting this up for months that if I don't right. win, it's another, you know. So uh, Hobbs didn't do that. We have a little Hobbs as well. Let's listen to that. I'm focused on the race here in Arizona and the needs of Arizonans. It's a race between myself and Carrie Lake and uh, and the, the ideas that we're bringing to the table. And one one more time before we let you go, because I think it is on the mind of Arizona voters. Are you saying this morning that there is no circumstance that you can envision or would even try to negotiate in which you and Carrie Lake would appear at a debate together before the election? At this point in the race, with 30 days to go, uh, our schedule in terms of, of forums uh, is pretty much set. And, and I'm really happy with where we are in uh, the plans we have to continue talking directly to the voters of Arizona. All right. So uh, the question that he led off with was, uh, would you have Biden come and campaign for you, uh, you know, given the econ economy and so on? And that was another opportunity to turn around and say, look, this is she properly said this is between me and Carrie Lake. And unlike Carrie Lake, who clings to Donald Trump like a life raft uh, and just this weekend appeared is appearing with him again. Uh, I'm not looking for anybody else here. I, this is about Arizona, about Arizona policies, uh, not about being a surrogate uh, for, uh, you know, what I mean, there. Yeah, there were no, no but, pivots. I mean, Axe no Democrats nominated somebody who, frankly, can't do that and who also doesn't have the confidence to even do a single debate with a former local TV personality turned candidate. So, like, that's on Democrats. If you can't find somebody to run for the highest office in a state that sit, that, that that cannot debate th their first time candidate opponent. Katie Hobbs has been on a statewide ballot before. Uh, Terry Lake has not, but yet yeah, Hobbs right. is the one who can't debate and then who can't use a national TV interview to prosecute the case like you just laid out, then the Carrie Lake's the world are going to win. Yeah. Well, if she does, she's going to be quite a presence on the scene. It's still a very close race. Uh, yeah. You know, in polling, it's a tied race. But, you know, just as a practitioner, I sat and watched that back to back and thought, damn, this is just a litany of, of missed opportunities uh, for Hobbs. So I don't know if either of you guys saw any of the uh, debate in Ohio. But by the way, night. we should say, Axe, real fast, that, you know, Hobbs is not a great candidate, but that's still a very close race out there. Yeah, and yeah I, mean, the I, I just did. I just did say that. No, <laughs> yeah. I think she Sorry, I think she I think she could I think she could win that race and she could win that race because she's a she's she's a, a, a very a decent, honorable person. And I do think that, you know, if, if there's one thing that people of Arizona know about uh, about Kari Lake is she has been a uh, she has been a shameless and untruthful election denier. And because Mark Kelly's going to raise 70 gazillion dollars to drag her across the line, too, by the way. She used to be an Obama supporter. I mean, she's like she, she'll she'll be whatever she wants or needs to be in order to win. And it'll be interesting to see the contrast will be interesting because it may just be, you know, there's a lot of people 
We've had this debate in the Democratic Party. We need somebody. We need somebody. We need our Donald Trump who can slug pound for pound hard, you know, and I, I've never thought that's what the the Democratic Party needed. And maybe what Katie Hobbs is trying to do here is just be seen and act like a very different candidate. I agree. Not prosecuting the cases is, is a risk. Maybe. I like if you, since you want to make boxing analogies, uh, you know, Sonny Liston was a slugger. Nobody wanted to get in the ring with him. Muhammad Ali floated like a butterfly and stung like a bee. I think that's what you need. This is like a sports podcast now. Yeah, it should be. All right. Hold that thought. We're going to take a short break. And now a word from our sponsors. You know, I'm a dad and a grandparent. In fact, just added a new grandchild in the last week. And I'm wondering why in 2022, every parent hasn't installed ExpressVPN on their kids' devices. Like you wouldn't let your kids walk home from school without telling them not to talk to strangers or get into windowless vans. So why would you let them go online without using ExpressVPN? You see, every device, phones, computers, tablets, has a unique IP address, which is like an internet phone number and reveals personal information about you, like where you live. It's really intrusive and it's really, really simple for a stranger online to find your IP address. If you've ever clicked on a sketchy link or opened an email with a bugged image, your IP address could be exposed. Who knows what kind of people could physically track your kids down using their IP address. So here's an answer for you. ExpressVPN is an app that hides your real IP address and replaces it with a dummy one, keeping you safe and private. And it's so easy to use. You just download the ExpressVPN app on your phone or computer, tap one button to turn it on, and you're protected. Even my eight-year-old can figure it out. And here's an added benefit of ExpressVPN. You see, they let you choose what country you want your IP address to look like it's coming from. And this is really, really useful because services like Netflix and Disney Plus give you different shows depending on what country you're in. So you can really expand the number of options you have to watch. And you've heard Murphy here expound on this because, you know, being a man of the world, uh, he loves to watch shows from Europe and elsewhere. And because of ExpressVPN, he can do that. So secure your family's online activity and unlock tons of new shows by visiting expressvpn.com slash hacks on tap. Use our link and you can get three extra months free. That's express, E-X-P-R-E-S-S, vpn.com slash hacks on tap, expressvpn.com slash hacks on tap to learn more. By the way, speaking of slugfest, either of you guys see any of the or catch clips from the Ohio yeah, I watched debate it. last night? Yeah, I watched it. That was quite a Donnie Brook. Well, I was going to say, uh, you know, it. Uh, I was thinking as you were posing what Katie Hobbs did or didn't say in her answer about supporting Joe Biden and or Donald Trump, the 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 end of that race uh, or the the end of that debate where uh, Tim Ryan says, you know. J.D. Vance went down there. Donald Trump said he, you know, J.D. Vance kissed his ass to get his support. You know, we don't need an ass kisser. We need an ass kicker. Uh, I mean, it was a uh, it was quite a it was quite a slugfest the whole time. We, we may have some sound of that. I'm for Ohio. I don't kiss anyone's ass like him. Ohio needs an ass kicker, not an ass kisser. Yeah, there you go. And that was off the cuff. It was totally impromptu, right, Axe? <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, exactly, exactly. But listen, no, he had a longer thing on on uh, on the fact that Trump had yeah. basically humiliated Vance by saying he at a ra- at his own rally saying yeah. he kisses my he he's kissing my ass. They say he doesn't want to be with me. He's kissing my ass, which goes to your point, uh, J Mart about the price of not going to the rally. But here he showed up at the rally and Trump humiliated him. Well, that's the MO, right? Trump has always said that, you know, for the J.D. Vance's, for the never Trumpers to become Trumpers is is that's better for him because it shows his power that they're willing to sort of come back to him. Uh, and then he sort of has them in the palm of his hand. I did think it was an interesting subtext as they were slugging it out on issue after issue. And you heard it in that response there is each of them was basically trying to appeal to certain voters by essentially questioning whether or not they'd given up their dignity, whether they were, whether they were a strong enough men. I mean, you could tell this very, very focused on like non-college educated voters yeah. and, and, you know, kind of pride and things like that. It was very, cause the, the way, the way uh, Ryan set that up was, you know, basically I don't know anybody. And then he said, I think it was in this one. I don't know any of my friends who would have their dignity so shamefully taken from them and yet still continue. And I thought, wow, that's a, it's a fascinating kind of subtext to listen in a very hard scrabble state. We've talked a lot about that race and the fact that Ryan has run about as good a race as you can run in the state of Ohio. But man, the Republicans just hit him with like $30 million of ads in the last few weeks. And uh, J-Mart, it seems like, a, you know, despite all of his oh. his efforts, seems like a pretty steep hill to climb there. Yeah, it does. Ohio's gotten away from Democrats since you guys were in the White House. It, it's basically a red state now. And so I think when you combine the structural challenges of the state's demography with what is uh, a pretty a pretty difficult uh, year for, for Democrats, uh, uh, in terms of the environment, it makes it difficult. That said, Democrats put forward probably the, their best possible candidate, and the Republicans, yeah. Republicans didn't. And so this thing is still pretty competitive. I'm really interested to see about a week, 10 days from now, when uh, all of these PACs have to start making some really hard final choices about advertising. Look, there's not a lot of places that are going to be still left to play. And I think Ohio... Right could still be one of them. And I think there's going to be more pressure on Democrats uh, to get some kind of an insurance policy against Pennsylvania and Nevada. Because I think Republicans see the route. We're talking Senate races here. Yes. Republicans see the route to 51 Senate seats is through Nevada and Pennsylvania. They flip Nevada by beating Senator Cortez Masto, and they hold Pennsylvania by getting Oz across the line against Fetterman. That gets them 51. I think Democrats see the same uh, route and they want to close it off. And how do you close it off? Well, obviously, by holding Pennsylvania, by, by holding Nevada and, and flipping Pennsylvania. But where's the insurance policy if you're Democrat? And I think the insurance policy is, is two places. It's North Carolina and it's right. Ohio. Totally. So two candidates that are running really great races and running them in, as we talked about, very tough states. Trump, Trump states in 2020, Ohio at a plus eight, North Carolina, not quite that much. And, and to your point, Jim, I mean, I think it's interesting. Rick Scott was asked last week, you know, sort of what, what's their kind of tier two. Um, and, you know, you've got sort of this, 
we've sort of boiled this down to four races. And then what, what is that other tier? And he basically says, you know, Arizona, New Hampshire, and Colorado, there's not a poll in either of those three States um, that I know of at any point in the cycle that has shown the Republican candidate ahead of the Democratic candidate. This is why uh, you see this uh, race, including Rick Scott racing to Georgia to try and push Herschel Walker over the goal line here, yeah. uh, despite everything that he's he's. Uh, this is he's an SEC through. football podcast. This is <laughs> Jay Martin. Our dreams have finally come true. The problem with Herschel Walker is that he went from he went from basically like first and goal on the ten to having to like basically be like third and goal on the 37, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Problem, right? yeah, yeah. But the thing that I think people need to realize is like his base is going to stick with him. Uh, and the question is just uh, marginal voters there in, in a very marginal it. race. And so the question is, the question is really, does this prevent uh, Walker from forcing a runoff? Can Warnock win this race on yeah. November the 8th? Yeah. Without a runoff, there are other candidates on the ballot. I think the presumption going into this scandal of Walker's was that uh, this race would be a, a runoff race uh, yeah. in December. Now, uh, the danger for Republicans is that uh, Walker doesn't make it into the runoff. I think that their their play was that uh, if this went to a runoff and it was for control of the Senate, yeah, we've talked about this, I think, last week that Republicans would even Republicans who are uh, repulsed by some of these stories about Walker would say, well, it's not about him. It's about the Senate. That's right. But if, if it doesn't get to the runoff, then that doesn't come into play. Yeah. And you've got a libertarian candidate that's been polling slightly higher than I think what most people assume that candidate is going to and traditional libertarian candidates will get on Election Day. I, this one, though, is going to come. I think you said it, Axe. It's his base is going to stick with him. It's it's if he loses 15,000 votes or 20,000 votes in the Atlanta media market because of people that in a normal year would probably vote for a Republican, but think a few things about Herschel Walker. One, overall, he's just simply not qualified to be a U.S. senator. Great running back but not a, not qualified to be a U.S. senator. And then two, when you add in a lot of the personal stuff, and it goes, you know, I mean, it's put a, putting a gun to his ex-wife's head. It's, you know, it is, uh, it's the, the stories he's dealt with around um, his children and, and whether or not he's been really forthcoming there. And then, then the latest thing about not now just paying once for, paying once for an abortion, but trying to convince the same woman a second time to get an abortion. The question is whether that's just too much to get, to use J. Mart's analogy, too much to get back over the goal line. And I'm beginning to think that, well, I don't think this is going to be one of those races, and I don't think we live in a world anymore where the support totally collapses, because it really is about the name on the front of the jersey first in party. But I think it, he's got a real chance to lose just enough votes in Atlanta not to have a runoff and for Warnock to win this race. I, I think it's... Um, this is much better set up for Warnock than it was obviously two weeks ago. Yeah. I, I just, it's interesting how Trump has changed the sort of the whole template for how you deal with these kinds of situations. It's Can I like, just make a fast observation about Herschel Walker general. And I agree with, you all, with all of what you guys said. I think the, the only question now in Georgia is that does Warnock get 50 plus one uh, on election day? That's the only question left. 
Um, but there's a bigger issue here, guys, and that is Herschel Walker was a get-rich-quick scheme for the Republican Party. He was a lose 30 pounds in a week uh, proposition. He was going to pay for over. So like Dr. Oz? Uh, exactly. <laughs> he was more Oz than Oz. He was going to pay for over all the structural problems the party had, right? And instead, instead, he's exposed all the problems the party has, and he's backfired horribly. There is a, a sort of, sort of karma here that is so vicious when it comes to Virgil Walker that Republicans were gonna we're gonna fix their all their problems here with this and instead it's totally backfired on them whether it's race or Trump or how to win in this fast changing state that's become much more purple than it is red and this was going to be the way that they could solve all those issues and instead it's just exposed everything and um I think in the light of day, a lot of people in the Republican Party uh, are going to come to terms with that. But man, it has really fit them. In the is their debate, this is one that's going right on Trump's account, is their debate going to happen in the next week? Friday. So their, their debate Friday, Friday. Friday, Friday in, in Savannah. In yeah. Savannah. I don't think it's going to be transmitted statewide. It's one debate in a, in a much smaller media market. The challenge, I think, for somebody like Walker, obviously, is... He's, to your point, David, played the Trump card, which is deny, 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 not answer any questions. And I don't you know, think that's going to be a real big option sitting in a TV studio in Savannah. I think he's going to have to come up with some real answers here and have them not fluster the rest of his debate performance. If I were Warnock, I would allow that to be between Walker and the moderators. Absolutely. No, absolutely. I don't think there's a lot that's worth kind of turning them on. I think each candidate knows where the other one wants to go. Right? And it, it's those answers. Okay, then let's take a break right here, and we'll be right back. This episode is supported by NOAA, News Over Audio, which is an audio app offering narrated articles from some of the world's best publications, such as The Economist, Bloomberg, Foreign Affairs, and The New York Times. So here's what it is. NOAA is an audio app where you can listen to articles that you don't have time to read across topics such as the 2022 U.S. midterms, politics and world affairs, business and economics, and science and technology. NOAA works with over 20 premium publications, including Foreign Affairs, the MIT Technology Review, the Washington Post, and many more. There are over 25,000 professionally narrated articles with new articles daily. You can find NOAA in the App Store and Play Store by searching NOA News. It costs $7.99 per month, but listeners to Hacks on Tap can receive 30 days free premium access. So for those who are on the go and want to hear stuff that they don't have time to read, visit newsoveraudio.com forward slash hacks. So again, people who are on the go don't have time to read stuff but want to hear it. Visit newsoveraudio.com slash hacks to get 30 days of NOAA premium access free. Again, that's newsoveraudio.com forward slash hacks to get 30 days of NOAA premium access for free. I would not want to be in a position just to extend the... uh, football uh, analogy, you know, Herschel Walker having to win the game in a debate is the equivalent of trying to kick a 65-yard field goal. 
it's just you know this is it's really it's really hard to imagine that happening. Yeah, I was talking to a Republican earlier today about about just that topic, Dax, and they said, you know, this person said I, I'd have more confidence that Walker could fix it if we had a better candidate, right? But this is not Bill Clinton who can you know. Right. After Monica Lewinsky, somehow find a way to keep it together. This guy is, is a first time candidate who does not have the skills necessary, uh, I don't think, to uh, to sort of keep things together. By, by the way, Fetterman, Fetterman and uh, Oz have a debate coming up. 25th of October. In Pennsylvania. And it's late, so it may be uh, too late to change anything. But... Uh, you know, there are questions about Fetterman's ability to perform after his stroke. Um, that race has sort of settled into kind of a, a, a smaller but stable lead for Fetterman. And it seems to me that this debate could be the last hurdle uh, for him to try and hang on to that. Yeah, I mean, to your point, J. Mart, I mean, this idea of, of Republicans holding Pennsylvania and then winning Nevada, they've got to hold Pennsylvania, in a, again, in a place where I don't think we've seen an Oz poll ahead of Fetterman. Doesn't mean he can't win, but yeah. and I don't think the 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 undercurrents of the gubernatorial race are going to do anything to help Oz uh, in this race in, in in a big way. So, to your point, David, that's the kind of that's the big event for him. You know, he's going to have to prove to people that he's you know healthy enough to to be a good candidate and healthy enough to be a good senator. Yeah. Uh, I, I think the real weight is going to be on somebody like Oz to try to shake up the race. I think he has added Republicans back into his fold. I, I still don't think that he's done the hard work of um, those suburban swing voters to the, to the point that, that he's, in a position to be leading or yeah. I think winning that race. They made a lot of headway on the crime issue with Fetterman. Fetterman needs yeah. to be ready for that. Oz will advance. I mean, Oz still has the, he has the Trump problem. He has the fact that he's not from Pennsylvania problem. He has the fact that he's culturally estranged from uh, at uh, some of the state problem. Uh, you know, he's he's got his own past comments on abortion and yeah. you know, he's got a whole range of vulnerabilities. The question is whether Fetterman is agile enough to uh, yep. Take advantage of it, you know. Oz, one thing Oz like Carrie K- Lake, he's uh, pretty familiar with the camera. No, that's exactly right. I, I, I think Oz could actually win this, win this election with a really strong debate performance if he can assure suburbanites that he's a sort of mainstream center right Republican. Uh, I think this is a huge opportunity for him. I'll, I'll tell you, uh, I heard just today the Republicans have. They still have Oz down in their own tracking, but they have them down too, and they have Fetterman well below 50% uh, on the ballot. So I think, you know, this race has gotten a ton of press, and I think justifiably uh, in a lot of ways. I think this race uh, in Nevada uh, are the two crucial elections that, that could really determine uh, control of the Senate. And I'll just say one final thing. I think if Democrats do lose control of the Senate because they lose Pennsylvania, I think there's going to be huge regret about not nominating uh, Connor Lamb. And I think the flip side is if if Republicans lose the Senate, uh, in part because they couldn't beat Raphael Warnock, there's going to be a bloodletting about the fact that they nominated Herschel Walker instead of any number of perfectly serviceable Georgia 
than our right Republicans in Pennsylvania too. If 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 Fetterman hangs on, uh, there'll be a lot of recriminations uh, aimed at at uh, at Trump uh, for oh, us because uh, Dave McCormick uh, exactly. arguably would have been a much stronger candidate in the uh, in the general election. I mean, Trump has a lot on the ballot here. I mean, Georgia, Herschel Walker was the guy he drafted. Oz was the guy who he installed. Arizona could have been a, a, a yeah. more competitive race uh, if, if New not Hampshire. for the I mean, Masters. tons of races. Yeah. Yeah. But New Hampshire, I don't know that he actually endorsed the guy. They didn't, uh, but he. But the guy's basically no. a parrot of him. Yes, but I mean, I mean, Republicans are going to have to consider that there are implications for twenty twenty four. You know, Republicans are going to have to consider what they do with a candidate who has a command over the base and is deeply unpopular among everybody else. Well, this is what I was saying earlier. I think there's. I I think if if Republicans don't win the Senate, uh, that's Mitch McConnell is going to load that load that into the shotgun and 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 shoot both barrels and he's gonna because again mitch mcconnell is not going to call out what donald trump says at a rally that's racist he's not going to call out some of the things that normal people want him to potentially call out but i but when it comes to winning or losing control that's something that they're going to try to pin on him right before he decides or, or announces and declare declares he's running for uh for re-election. Mitch, Mitch is more about the shiv in the back than the punch in the nose. So, But the day after the election, I think he will be about the punch in the nose. I and this too. is why this midterm is so extraordinary. Here we are over 45 minutes into this conversation. We haven't even talked about the the, the current president once, I don't think. And I, I get why. I mean, if the day after the midterm, Democrats still control the Senate, the next day story is going to be Donald Trump v. Mitch McConnell. It's not going to be about Joe Biden, but that itself is incredible that a former president is going to be the story, you know? Yeah. Well, listen, real quick on this, because we got to get to the mailbag. Yeah. You know, uh, Biden is not campaigning uh, in in these. You say Trump is in these blue uh, purple states. Biden is largely not in these purple states. What does that tell you? I mean, I think it's actually smart of him to do what he's doing, which is to be out there raising money and being helpful to Democrats where uh, where he can be helpful and not making himself the issue in these swing states where Republicans want to make him the issue. One conclusion might be that one can read poll numbers and the other one can't. <laughs> yeah, could be. I mean, you know, I mean, I mean, to your point, David, I mean, you know, Biden is not particularly popular in a lot of these places. Right. And he understands uh, that he can come in maybe through a radio ad or a telephone call and and get base Democrats excited and and use other surrogates to do that, but but doesn't want to be out there uh, and having candidates ask questions and answer questions around whether they whether Joe Biden should run for reelection, whether they support Joe Biden right. on this, whether and so I think in some ways understanding that you're not necessarily taking a a big player off of the field, but potentially taking. A, a talking point off of it, I think, makes a ton of sense for the White House. You heard Katie uh, Hobbs uh, kind of dance around wh- uh, why she wasn't in, in inviting uh, right. Biden into campaign for it. Speaking of questions, we've got some, so let's hit it, Jeff. It's listener mailbag. So Robert Gibbs, Anna, a loyal listener, asks, in your opinion, what are the best ways for people to volunteer for a political campaign? I've done door-to-door canvassing and phone banking, and very few people answer their door or their phone. Feels like a waste of time. 
Do these methods work or are there more effective ways to volunteer? A great question. Uh, if you're wanting to get involved, absolutely go get involved. Go find the campaign you want to get involved for. I do think these methods, it, it is certainly hard, particularly in a post-COVID world, to get people to come to their door. Some people still very nervous. Uh, and if people are like me and they don't answer any number that doesn't isn't recognized by their phone, I get that too. Um, they are effective methods. I would also say um, a good campaign is going to give you a list of only people they don't know how they're going to vote. So it, it, it's it, yes, it's harder to reach those, but it's important. I would also say if you're thinking about wanting to reach either door to door or particularly on the phone, uh, a, a list of voters that you have an entree with, uh, mm -hmm. make a list of your friends, right? Mm -hmm. go, go talk mm -hmm. to the networks that you're, quite frankly, influential in, if you will, and have a conversation there. Maybe some of or all of your friends are you're like minded politically, but my guess is there's some that aren't or some that are on the fence. Go lean in on that and, and use that network. Increasingly, as we turn the corner to Election Day, there's going to be more of an effort to mobilize voters who you do know are going to be supportive. So, And your idea of friend-to-friend -friend contact is really uh, valuable. J-Mart. Yes. I want to repurpose this question yes in a second but jesse says you always say that it's better to run for something than against something but what do you think is the best strategy for an independent or third-party candidate in today's political climate yeah. should you primarily run against the establishment parties or try to sell a new vision for the country the reason i ask you this question is i know you recently were in the state of utah yeah where where an independent candidate evan mcmullen is trying to uh unseat the uh the incumbent the Republican incumbent. Talk about that. And what is McMullen doing there that has made this a relatively close race? Well, you know, Evan McMullen is not running against Senator Mike Lee. He's running against uh, our polarized times. And what I mean by that is a Republican, as Gibbs put it, the, the name on the front of the jersey is, is what really matters more than anything else in today's politics. And so McMullen, you know, is, is trying to run in a very red state against a Republican opponent in Mike Lee, who's not uh, Orrin Hatch. But it doesn't necessarily matter because a Republican is going to get a number of votes guaranteed in that state because he happens to be a Republican. The question is, McMullen, who's got the blessing of the Utah Democratic Party that's not fielding a nominee, can she somehow find a way to put together enough independent and democratic votes to get this thing close? And I think the answer is yes. But, you know, what does close mean? Uh, and it's, 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 it's close, you know, enough to actually make the National Party come in and spend money on Lee's behalf? Or is Lee going to be able to do this by himself? To me, that's the big question here. Yeah. And if they do, you'll have a sense of, of how close of how close that race truly is. You know, you got to think if they play the control of the Senate card uh, there, that that would be meaningful. You got one for me, Robert? I do. Chris asks, if the GOP wins the House by a narrow margin with MAGA Republicans driving the agenda, what does that do for Biden and Democratic performance in the 2024 election? I'm going to repurpose my own question now. Please. And do. say what's interesting is 
the the narrowness of a Republican win in the House, I mean, has implications for how the House behaves, and that will have implications on the 2024 election if uh, if the Marjorie Taylor Greene faction has a lot of sway and they're doing impeachment and a bunch of stuff that doesn't seem relevant to people's lives. That gives a uh, you know that gives Democrats a target. Uh, in 2024. But the, the bigger thing is if it's narrow, then Democrats have a, a, a potential opportunity to win some of these seats back. I mean, it makes the House a, a competitive battlefield. You know, the Senate, the, the Senate outlook for Republicans in 2024 is far better than the outlook for Republicans in 2022. So if Democrats hang on to the Senate this time, they're going to have a hell of a time holding on to it next time because Montana, Ohio, and West Virginia are the only states left where Democrats are representing states that went for Trump. And uh, with a narrow margin in the Senate, that, that's a perilous situation for Democrats to be in. So, Chris, I know that's not a complete answer to your question, but I appreciate you giving me the vehicle to say what I wanted to say. <laughs> hey, let me add one thing to your answer, though, just for, for Chris's benefit. In 1994, Bill Clinton gets crushed in the election and wins re-election in 1996. As X and I well remember, the shellacking of 2010 and Barack Obama leads uh, two years later to his re-election as president. So there's a little history for you. There was just a bulletin that came across that the that King Charles III's coronation date is set for May 6th. So we know where Mike Murphy will be uh, <laughs> on, on May the 6th. Uh, anyway, J-Mart. It's great to have you. Wherever you land, we will follow you, brother, because you're one you. smart dude. And uh, come back often. And uh, Robert Gibbs, you will come back often. I think you're here again next week. I am here next week. Uh, good, to, yeah. good to see you, Jay Martin, again. I love that this turned into an SEC podcast, War Eagle. <laughs> Go Tigers. Right. See y'all. <laughs> see you guys. guys.